It's cool to see the summer didn't get in the way of You're all black forever You're spiteful and you're in your headspace I can tell that you're happy Even when you're no fun Even if we Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Misalign. This week, I have Jason Tate on the show. As many of you may already know, he started Absolute Punk, which is now Chorus FM. So we're going to dive into how one transitioned into the other and we'll hit on some somewhat nerdy topics as well as far as the site goes. And then we'll obviously talk about music outside of the website and everything. But Jason, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Having a good day? Yep. I mean, I don't have a job, so I've kind of just been on the internet all day. Can't really complain. (laughs) I've been doing that for 15 years, and I don't have a job, so it works. (laughs) (laughs) How's the weather down there? You're down in uh, Los Angeles, right? I'm in Orange County. I was up more in the LA area when I was working, but yeah, I'm originally from Orange County, so since I've moved back home, I'm down by Disneyland basically. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Is it nice and sunny today? Because uh, it's not nice and sunny up in Portland, <laughs> which is not a, not a surprise to anybody at all. Yeah, it's like 70 and sunny right now, so can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do miss that. That's the one thing I miss from California. Yeah, but I'm sure, you know, your area has its perks and everything. You probably don't have to drive 30 miles to go to a show or anything in LA. <laughs> yeah, there's that. There's the uh, lack of smog. Smog was very big when I was when I was down there. It felt like every time I walked outside. It's one of those things where if you're from here, you don't really notice it until you leave and go somewhere else. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, it's that bad. Yeah, I don't miss the air warnings in college. I went to school at the University of Redlands, which is like uh, southern-ish California, down by like yeah. the Palm Springs area. And we used to get the, uh, I forgot what they would call them, but it was basically like air pollution bad days where they're just like, yeah, you should probably just not go outside very often. It was like, oh, that's always good. I like getting that email in the morning. Hey, just don't breathe air. It's like, thanks. That's, <laughs> that's going to be difficult to do. I kind of need to go places. Yeah, and it's funny because I actually have weather-induced asthma, so it's like being here, I didn't really notice it because basically I grew up with it, but then when I was in high school, there would be some fires not too far from my high school, and it's Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. we would just have to shut down basketball practice and like none of the sports could go outside and practice. I don't think sports that were in the gym could even practice either, so it's like those summer months of August and September, it's like practice would get canceled quite often, either because it got too hot or because of fires and the heat. <laughs> so I remember that. I totally remember when they like all the fire stuff is going on. Is that still relatively frequent or do they have some of that more under control now? I don't think it happens nearly as often as it did, okay. you know, a couple of years when I was in high school. So that mm. was probably like maybe six, seven years ago, something like that. So that's probably like, yeah, it's probably right when I was down there in college that it around like what, 2003 through 2005. I was in high school 07 to 2011. So it was okay. kind of like right after you had left, probably if gotcha. we still were getting quite a few. But yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the actual topics for today, not just <laughs> the weather. <laughs> So when you first started Absolute Absolute Punk, what led to that decision and when did you end up knowing it would kind of 
become your full-time job, basically. Yeah, so the, it it started with me just wanting to play around online. Like, the internet was kind of just becoming a thing around whenever this was. It's got to be like 1996, 1997, something like that. Like, the internet was like my first computer that actually could connect to the internet in my parents' basement. <laughs> and <laughs> I was excited about, like, the idea of the internet. Like, you know, Yahoo was kind of the only thing that was there, but you could go on to the homepage and start browsing around and seeing all these different websites. And I liked the idea of making a website. So just to like play around, I built a fan page that literally was just for Blink-182 and MXPX. <laughs> and it was just talking about those bands in like the high school slash middle school way that that I was. So I think it had like four pages on it or something, some aim icons so people could put them on their AOL instant messenger accounts and like a couple of wallpapers or images and stuff. And it was just like one page uh, website, right? Like just a couple links, uh, very basic, just goofing around to like see what this whole internet thing kind of was. So that's where it started. And it was really just me wanting to put something on the internet and I had no idea what to make a website about and I liked Blink-182 and I liked MXPX and I felt like, hey, this works pretty well. I'm just going to put these up here. <laughs> so that that's kind of where the entire thing began. And then through high school, I started learning more about the internet and wanting to do more web design sort of stuff. Uh, and so one of the classes that I took, they basically just, uh, it was a called Infotech. So basically we were supposed <laughs> to learn how to do technology stuff and they realized pretty quickly like that was kind of a waste of time for me. So they basically were like, well, how about you just go build the uh, website for the school? Like just go work on the school's website and like build that for us. And I was like, okay, like that that's much better than going to actual class and doing, <laughs> doing other things. So that was kind of where I started playing around more with like web design and learning more about how to use the internet and stuff like that. And during that process after that was done I uh, took all of that information was like well I'm gonna like build a better Blink-182 homepage like better fan page for Blink and that coincided with Blink-182 also being like one of the biggest bands on the planet <laughs> so right. I built a fan page Blink blew up got lots of traffic people started checking it out um, and then it wasn't until college that I actually made the transition to turn it into kind of what it ended up becoming and like what it is kind of today, which is more about news and talking about all sorts of different bands and being that kind of hub. So that was it wasn't until college and probably my sophomore to junior year that I thought that it had any chance of actually being something that I do long term. To begin with, it was always uh, I felt like it was a good way to do something that I enjoyed, like it was something that was fun and I enjoyed doing it, but also a way to work on skills that I wasn't getting anywhere else. Like I wasn't taking web design classes. I wasn't taking programming classes even at the time. So I wanted a place for like an outlet for that. And this was a really good way to experiment and do things online and build things and play around with it. And I always just assumed that someday I could use those skills that I was learning in like a quote real job. Like, <laughs> after college, I'm gonna have to get a real job somewhere. I just assumed that they would be helpful. So that was always kind of the thought process. But then it was uh, my junior year that right after the first semester, I just realized uh, I, I did not like any part of <laughs> any part of college anymore. I was just I was totally sick of it. It was just not something that was 
keeping my interest, uh, but the website was, and the website was getting really big, and it was getting to the point where me working in the dorm room, I was working more and more on it. Uh, I was, you know, missing some classes to continue to work on it. And so that was when I made the choice to tell my mom uh, and dad that I did not want to keep going to school. <laughs> I wanted to go work on the website, like that this is what I wanted to do with my life. And that did not necessarily go over very well. Yeah. <laughs> as you can imagine, as you, as you can imagine with parents, they were like, what the hell are you talking about? You want to go run a music website for a living <laughs> uh, at 19? Uh, no, of course you can't do that. Um, but through talking with them, uh, I was able to work out a deal where they let me take a semester off and the school allowed me to take a semester off to, I moved back home and I worked basically full time on the website for like, I don't know how long that is, whatever semester is. And at the end of that semester, I took some classes up here in Portland and then went back and finished my senior year and was able to still graduate on time, still didn't have to spend any extra time down there. Uh, but it was that period of time that semester that I really realized like okay this can be a business like this can be something that I do full-time this is something that I enjoy doing full-time and I do think that there's the opportunity here for it to be something that I can live off of right like that it, it makes enough money that I don't have to do anything else right does that answer your question Yes, that sounds like something I would greatly like to do with my website <laughs> but it's not nearly as big as yours but how did the spin media opportunity if you can really <laughs> call it that come about we can put giant air quotes around opportunity <laughs> yeah um, well i lived with zach zarillo in college okay. so it's like i kind of saw the same situation unfold with him in real time basically because <laughs> i believe it was our freshman year at drexel was when he sold to spin and then by the time i finished early at the end of 2014 so by the mm -hmm. time I had finished up early, I think he w had already gotten the site back and was working on relaunching it in the beginning of 2015. Okay. So the I don't remember the exact dates uh, for everything, but basically the way it came about was during uh, – this was after I had graduated college, which was in 2005, and I was had moved back here to Portland – had gotten my own place and was just running the website myself. So it was just me and then the staff members that were contributing to the website. And it was a full-time job. It was something that I was doing, you know, 80 to 90 hours a week. was spending a whole lot of time building the website, promoting the website, doing things like that. And that era pretty much coincided really well with Fallout Boy's rise in prominence. So Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco, Paramore, that whole Field by Ramen era was basically right. right right then. So the website did very well and it was very popular and there was a lot of people coming to check it out. Uh, ad revenue was basically paying my bills. I could eat. I could have some beer when I wanted. It was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the problem with it was also that this was before technology really progressed online to the point where it made it easy for a website to scale. So we were running everything on a very old hacked together version of vBulletin, um, which was what AP.net 
net ran on basically from whenever 2002 through when I closed it down earlier this year. And that does not scale very well. So the more traffic we got, we were crashing constantly. You know, everybody was hitting the homepage for news. Something big would happen. Fall Out Boy would do something. Brand new would do something. Website would just go down. Like we just, I just couldn't handle the traffic. So during that same time period, at the time the company was known as uh, BuzzNet and BuzzNet was also very much a part of that whole Field by Ramen era. Like they had a bunch of the people that, you know, were either the girlfriends or boyfriends of people in the bands were doing content for them and taking pictures and going out on a warp tour. They're very much part of like that scene. So they kind of had this nice fit between if they ever wrote about something or posted something, you know, we'd post about it up on our website, they'd get a whole lot of traffic. So I think that that's kind of where they first saw Absolute Punk. And they reached out to me. And at first, we just wanted to talk and be like, hey, can we help with like server stuff? We'd love to talk more about this. And the more that we talked back and forth, the more that it made sense to me at the time, because how it was pitched to me was basically, we're going to give you complete editorial control, complete design control, you can you can veto anything we want to do on the site, but we will take over handling all of the infrastructure backend stuff. So we'll handle hosting. We'll make sure that the stuff scales. We'll get you engineers so that they can, you know, help do programming stuff so that the website can get better. And uh, we'll also just handle the ads. And you know that's that's the way to work. And me being a naive just out of school person was like, this sounds amazing. Like this is exactly what I want. This is perfect. As long as I have control over it, like it's not. Gonna be a big deal and this would be great and so that's when I decided to make that decision (laughs) turns out like that uh, it it didn't work out quite quite the way that it was promised to begin with yeah and after making that decision did you feel it was actually somewhat harder to get certain things done with the website because before you said, you know, you were doing everything yourself, (laughs) which means, you know, the upkeep of the website. And if you wanted to switch up some features and whatnot, or, you know, tabs on the website, was that much more of a process after joining with Spin Media or BuzzNet at the time? Yeah. So like, I mean, this is one of those things that you learn about or you read about in I don't know, in business school, which is what my degree's in, like you hear about the idea of acquisitions and why acquisitions don't work and right. why there's like not a good culture fit or, you know, the main takeaway that I that I took from this entire thing was that no matter what anybody says, one, get it in writing <laughs> and yeah. two, that um, nobody's going to care about your thing the same way you care about your thing. So nobody had the same passion for this website that I had for the website. So I really wanted it to work and really wanted to believe in it. And maybe there was a couple people there at Spin that felt the same way, but they were either up top and just, you know, we're just, they were running the entire business, but everybody lower down in the chain doesn't. They're there for a job. Like they're getting paid to do this for a variety of different websites. So if all of a sudden I need something that's done or that should be done and 15 other websites need things that are done, but you know, for whatever reason at that moment in time, uh, these other websites are more popular and spin ran a bunch of like celebrity blogs. They ran obviously stereo gum, spin.com, uh, 
a bunch of the celebrity gossip blogs and things like that, that would usually take priority over anything that AP needed. (laughs) So if so, because the way that they saw it, at least the way that I saw how they saw it was, you know, it's running fine. Like it's good enough, whatever it's bringing in enough money. Like we don't need to really worry about it. And so the things that were way more broken or we're not getting steady traffic, I think that that is kind of where all the resources went. So once they put everything like kind of behind a little, in a black box that I no longer had access to, it was very difficult to get things done. Like, I, it was very hard to ch- make any changes. I didn't have access to the code base. Uh, I could not make any changes except for, like, little ways that I knew how to get around the system, basically, if something right. needed to be changed. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was it was a struggle for, for quite a while. And I, I do think that I not, don't necessarily blame them all that much because, I guess, from a business standpoint, it did make the most sense to try to put their resources into things that they wanted to prop up. But I, I do think that I would have, I would, if I was in their shoes, I think I would have focused more on the profitable and growing websites and trying to make them even better. Uh, but, but that's just me and it wasn't my decision. <laughs> right. It seemed like they kind of focused more on the already established sites and, you know, celebrity gossip is always going to be there and there's a ton of sites for that as it is. So you would think with AP kind of being one of the bigger sites in the kind of pop punk alternative indie scene that maybe they would have wanted to focus on that more, especially when it became Spin Media and Spin's obviously way more music focused than, you know, the celebrity gossip sites and everything would be. Yeah, you would have you would have thought and like that was always <laughs> kind of the idea as well when we, you know, brought in property of Zach, uh Punk News, uh Alter the Press and Under the Gun. Like that the the thought process was always to build out the music portion of spin to focus on a variety of different genres in a variety of different mediums we had you know punk news which has been doing punk music for just about as long longer than ap existed and had a really nice community zach was on tumblr which was something that nobody else was using at the time you know under the gun was on wordpress at the time and we're writing more long form pieces so the way that i looked at it was like that was a very good collection of they, they carried similar attributes, but at the same time was very diverse in where the audience was coming from and what they were actually posting about and how often and things like that. And I thought that that was a really good way to focus on music. But uh, then turns out like once once a, there's CEO changes and, you know, investor changes and board of director changes and just full on companies dissolving and the things that happen from a bureaucracy standpoint, uh, things that are priorities all of a sudden are no longer priorities and you no longer can get anything done or there's no budget for anything and you kind of get stuck there. So I, I, I do think that there's still a lot of there's obviously, I mean, I'm still doing it. So I think that there's a space for music websites. Uh, I just wish that I, I do wish in hindsight, we would have been able to do more with that like two year period when we were bringing in those other sites and kind of what we we talked about before it ever happened. <laughs> right. And when did you end up finding out that you were going to get the website back, so to speak, even though you wouldn't necessarily, you know, get everything back? <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. Two years ago from now was when Spin Media 
basically reincorporated themselves. And they were known as, I think, Spin Media Corp. And they had a bunch of debts that they owed. And so they this is all public information, so I'm not like going saying anything that's going to get anybody in trouble. They basically turned right. themselves into Spin Media Incorporated instead and then bought back all of the assets from themselves to basically get out of a lot of debts. And in doing that, uh, it basically dissolved everybody's contracts. So, which is an interesting thing in, in and of itself. It's called an assignment uh, to like debt creditors or something like that, which is a very weird way of uh, handling handling things. But basically, yeah. <laughs> a bunch of people that had contracts with the company no longer had contracts with the company, and but they still owned all of the assets. So at that point, like I had a contract with the company, I was an employee of the company, um, but at that point. They basically said no longer an employee, but we still own absolute punk, <laughs> which is okay. Well, fine. So <laughs> having having some conversations with them uh, about all of that at the moment, at that time, they first thought like, well, maybe we will sell the website back to you. And so I was going through the process of saying, okay, like I'm willing to entertain that idea. And what, like, what's the offer? And the offer for them wanting me to buy back the website was crazy expensive, just so absurdly expensive that it's not even, <laughs> was not ever in the realm of possibility. Right. So at that time, I basically was like, yeah, I, I, there's no way I can afford that. Like, it's just not even something that I can even fathom to do. So I signed a two year consulting agreement with them at the time to continue to run the website for them because it was still very profitable and still had a lot of traffic. And I would run that for two years and kind of see what happened at that point and what was going to happen. So I knew basically two years ago what the what could possibly happen a few years down the road. But it wasn't until uh, maybe November of last year where I finally started having more serious talks with Spin about buying the website back and hopefully it not being as crazy expensive as they wanted the last time. And thankfully they were much more motivated to not want to run absolute punk without me because I don't think, I think they, they more realized at the time that they couldn't run the website without me because right. they just had no idea what this back end was, what any of the code base was. And I think that that was when they kind of realized like, okay, well, we can't continue to run this without Jason. So that was when, you know, talks began for me to buy the website back. But I did not know completely that it was going to happen until probably March of this year was when it was like actually finalized. And I knew it was knew it was happening for sure. And then when March came around, did you know right away that you wanted to relaunch it as Chorus? Because Chorus had been your personal blog for a while now. And obviously, Chorus had a very different look than Absolute Punk. So what was your thinking behind that? And when did you kind of make that decision to relaunch under the Chorus name? Yeah, so... Like, obviously, I've had the chorus.fm domain name for a while now. And that was always in the back of my head, the idea of, well, if I don't keep doing Absolute Punk forever, I would like some place to write online. Like, I don't own, I did not own Absolute Punk at the time. So I was like, well, I would always like to have at least some place online because I've grown up online. Like, I am a <laughs> child of the internet. Like, that is something that's important to me to have, like, a place online. So that was when I originally 
set up Chorus.fm as my personal blog and was using that. So it was always kind of in the back of my mind, right? Like kind of just sitting there as a possibility that if anything, if I ever wanted to do anything else online, it would probably be under that name. Um, And then when I started thinking about the idea of, well, what's going to happen next as my contract runs out and am I going to try to renew it? Do I want to continue to run AP? Do I want to just leave and walk away and go get like a real job or go do freelancing or go work for a friend? Uh, Like that was when I started thinking more about like, what do I want to do next? And like, to be honest, like for a while, given a bunch of the stuff that was happening on AP at the time, uh, and a lot of stuff that was happening kind of in the music scene, which I, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're <laughs> very aware about of like all the crazy sexist bullshit that was going on and stuff like that. It was a very, it was a, I don't know. I just, I, I almost completely just walked away. Like there was a part right. of me that was very just ready to be done with the internet and just be like, I just can't handle this anymore. I can't handle this music scene. I just don't want to be in fights all day. I don't want arguments. I don't want, I don't want any of this. (laughs) Um, So there was a part of me that was very considering just leaving and being like, well, that was a thing that I did for 10 years. It's time to move on to the next thing. And it was during that period that I had a bunch of conversations with friends, family, uh, my college roommate, bunch of people that I trust. And that was when I started actually thinking about, well, do I want to relaunch this as chorus? And if I do, what do I want it to be? And that was when I started crafting the idea of like, if I am going to do this, what would it look like? And then as I walked down that path, it started making more and more sense that this was something that I was still really motivated to do and really excited about and really passionate about as long as I could do it my way and make some changes along the way. And so that was when I finally kind of realized, okay, this is what I want to do. And if I'm going to do it, I need a clean break. Like I want the domain name back to point people to what I'm doing next. And I want the social media accounts. Uh, but it, it needs to be a clean break from what absolute punk was. Like I just, I mean, I'm 33 now. I didn't want to be 35 and still running absolutepunk.net, the same website that I re- I started when I was 14. Uh, and I was ready for a change away from that name and a change away from just everything that kind of went along with that name. Uh, my music tastes have changed. My things that I'm interested in have changed. And I like being able to write about so much more than being pigeonholed into a specific genre or name just because that's what uh, I decided to call something when I was right. 15. <laughs> yeah, so let's go ahead and kind of get into the more nerdy topics about the site because as someone who is now also running a site on, you know, wordpress.org, it's kind of something that more so interests me than maybe some of the listeners. So you are all welcome to skip this section if it's a little too much for you. <laughs> but you mentioned before that, you know, Absolute Punk was run on, what was it, vBulletin? Correct. So now are you running the site through the WordPress software? And then can that handle both the site and the forums? So what I decided to do when I wanted to split everything off was 
to begin with, I didn't know if I wanted to keep running a community. Like the forums and more specifically the news comments on absolutepunk.net really were starting to take like a mental toll on me. Like that right. was something that was like just bothering me all the time. So when I first started building Chorus, I built it with the idea of if I don't put a community into this, what would I want it to be? And so that's why I built the origin, the content side of the site is all on WordPress. Um, it's self-hosted uh, on Linode for anybody that wants to get super nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's self-hosted and it's a uh, it's, it's WordPress. It's a very uh, modified version of WordPress at this point. And I liked WordPress because it allowed me to have a lot of control over what the front end looked like. Right. But it also allowed... Uh, me to have a back-end system that a bunch of people could use. I like other contributors, and it's built on, obviously, software that a ton of the internet uses, so I know it's stable. And it allows me to export it out as just flat files, basically. So the way like the, my WordPress setup is done is that like everything that you're seeing on the site is all static files, like none of it's dynamic, which means that it can handle a lot more traffic than AP ever could. And that was a big thing that I was worried about because I know how many people were hitting the homepage every day. I was worried all of a sudden we're going to get a million people hitting the, the homepage on this and my server is going to crash and all the problems that I had 15 years, 10 years ago when I sold the thing, I was going to have again. So that was the main reason for running uh, WordPress and doing it the way that I did. And then when I decided I did want to do a community and try some sort of forum again, that was when I started looking at what my options were. And I decided to use a forum software called Zenforu, but it's uh, with an X, so X-E-N-F-O-R-O. And I really liked what they were doing, and I really liked the some of the feature set that that software had. Um, so that is running on a separate server, also hosted on Linode. But that way it also allows me to split up the, uh, the the load and the traffic. So if the homepage is getting hit really hard, uh, the forums aren't going to go down and vice versa. If something big happens in the forums, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden my the content side uh, dies. <laughs> right, which is always a good thing. <laughs> yes, yes. Not not going down is a, is a plus when running a website. <laughs> yeah, and I know you had quite a few people testing out the forums and thank you for allowing me to be one of them before of it officially for, launched. Thank you for all of your great feedback and help. I, I can't, I think that you've got to be what top three or four that helped me with bug testing. I got to say of all the people that gave me feedback and helped like shape what that forum became, you've got to be in the top three or four. So thank you very much. No problem. Yeah. I've been testing apps like crazy lately too. I think I have like three beta email apps on my phone. It's getting a little out of hand, but I really for some reason, enjoy email it. Still, email still broken. Like we don't have a good email app yet. Yeah. And I'm you would think like, that we would. Can one of you just do all the things I want you to do, please? <laughs> I, <laughs> I would totally make my understand. own app if I knew how to. I just don't know how to. <laughs> I totally know that feeling. <laughs> There's so many times where I've had that same thought process of like, man, do I need to just learn Objective C so I can go right there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was fun getting to test it. And I think I enjoyed it a lot more because when I made an absolute punk account, I was really late to the party, basically. And it's like the forums were so overwhelming at that point mm -hmm. that when I, you know, started testing the forums for Chorus, it was a much more pleasant environment, basically. And I know... <laughs> 
Yeah. You don't necessarily police the forums, so to speak, but you know, sometimes when people are getting in like stupid little arguments, I've seen you j- just like jump in and be like, "Hey, I think this was just a misunderstanding, guys. We can all calm down here." And usually, you know, that'll work. So it's kind of nice to see that. I mean, obviously since you publicly publicly announced chorus, the forums really blew up too. I know especially with like the NBA and the NFL f- forums and everything. Mm-hmm. I get so many notifications from those. I'm like, can you guys calm down for like 10 <laughs> minutes, please? 10 minutes. That's all I need. <laughs> Have you still been enjoying it though? Do you still think that the forums, do they feel accessible to you and still even though that they do have more people posting there oh yeah definitely and it's awesome because you know when i was at drexel not too many people were really into country music in the music Mm -hmm. industry program and that's a genre my parents listened to a ton when i was growing up so it kind of just grew on me Mm -hmm. and you know the official country thread has been great i know craig manning posts (laughs) a lot in there and i was DMing him on Twitter, I had some questions and I was like, this is great, you know? And so it's kind of cool to be connected with people in a different way and not just, you know, trying to at reply someone on Twitter and hope they see it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think the way you've implemented a lot of the stuff on the forums, you know, like you can just put in a YouTube or SoundCloud link and it'll basically do all the embedding work for you. I think that's definitely like, making things run a lot more smoothly and everything because i know with absolute punk i was just like where where do i do some of these things you know (laughs) yeah no definitely well that's good because that's definitely been like that was a big goal was i was hoping that kind of that feeling that everybody had with the beta testing when i don't know how many people there are 100 people 200 people there i was at least hoping that as the forum continued to grow and more people showed up that there still would be kind of that communal feeling or that people would still want to visit and not feel like it's overwhelming to join uh, into a certain thread. And I feel like overall, I mean, there's been a couple hiccups along the way, but I think that overall so far I've been pretty excited and optimistic and happy with how the first month, month and a half or however long it's been now has gone. So that's great to hear. Yeah. And it's, definitely cool to kind of just obsess over the same things as other people because you know (laughs) my real life friends might not be as obsessed with say batman as i am or you know or watch the same (laughs) tv shows that i do so i've definitely been in like the comic books thread a lot and mr robot is probably another one that i will be in a lot once the new season starts because that show is great So did when you were growing up, did your friends like the same music as you? Were you like, did you have a core group of friends that you were able to talk about music with? That happened for me more so in high school. I had okay. a friend that I would pretty much go to a bunch of concerts with. Like basically we would buy each other concert tickets for our birthdays. So then we would just <laughs> awesome. go with each other too. <laughs> and that definitely made it a lot easier in high school. But now that, you know, I went to college in Philly. Obviously, the music industry program there, it was about 50 or so people to start in Mm -hmm. my grade level. And then by the end, it was closer to like high 30s, low 40s because people just either change majors or kind of (laughs) just leave. I think modern baseball is technically still in the program and they're still trying to finish like Jake and Ian. (laughs) So... You know, there, we were at concerts all the time with each Mm -hmm. other and, you know... If you had a basement, 
you were basically the person who had all the house shows in Philly. Mm -hmm. And there were at least like a few music industry houses, essentially, where people would put on shows and everything. So that was always cool. But now, you know, that I'm back home in Orange County, it's like a bunch of my friends are doing grad school or they're taking a year off and then going to grad school. And I'm just like... (laughs) I'll be over here, guys. Anyone want to do anything? <laughs> yeah. Right here. Not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. No, I totally I totally understand. I only ask because, like, me growing up in high school, I didn't have really anybody to go to shows with or anybody to even talk about the same kind of music that I was into with at all. Like, I had, like, one friend that kind of liked some punk music, and I could, like, be like, hey, you ever heard of this band Slick Shoes? And he'd be like, eh, I'm kind of just okay, like, just listening to my NoFX album over and over again. So I had, like, no one to talk to music uh, about anything <laughs> with. So that was one of the, like, driving factors behind building the community to begin with. Like, the first forum was, like, I want to talk to people about these things. And, I mean, now... In uh, 2016, we've got Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and a million other ways for people to, to communicate. But I do still like that there are these places like that we can congregate with, uh, like, let's all talk about Mr. Robot or talk about yeah. comic books or, you know, the NBA thread and stuff like that. I still do like being able to have those places that you can go communicate with people. But there is like that tying, binding interest where we all do at least probably like some sort of similar music, even if it's not the exact same bands. Like we all know that we're music fans. That's why we're all probably on the website to begin with. And then we get to talk about all these other cool things. Cause I don't know, I've found so many different threads and things to talk about that. I never thought that I would be talking with music fans about like all of a sudden we're like, we're nerding out about application, like email applications and the tech threads, right? Like it's like, what, this is so strange, but yeah. it's still, it's still been, still been pretty nice. Yeah. And I mean, for me in high school, it, was a fairly small group of people I would go to concerts with often, but I also Mm -hmm. played basketball my first three years of high school. So it's like I kind of bounced around from friend group to friend group, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of helped because, you know, I would have like 13 hours of basketball practice a week or something like that. So it's not like when I wasn't at shows, I wasn't doing something Mm -hmm. for the first three years and then my senior year I interned at a recording studio because I went to a very nerdy high school in Orange (laughs) County so we had to do a an internship to graduate if you were in the tech program so I did the least tech thing and went and did it at a recording studio so (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome other people were like at Boeing and this other (laughs) spaceship place and I was like I'm just gonna do a music thing over here, guys. So senior year was really kind of when my focus began to shift from playing basketball all the time to doing more music-related stuff. And then obviously going to Drexel for music industry is like that's when it completely shifted. So did you know relatively early in your high school career, or were you saying like just the last year that you decided that you really wanted to be involved in the music industry? And did you know which side of the music industry or were you just kind of floating around to see which thing kind of grabbed your interest most? Well, see, before my freshman year started, I think it was during health class or something, they had us do some weird assignment, like write about what we wanted to be. And I definitely (laughs) put a music producer like Randy Jackson somewhere in that paper, which... So basically by eighth grade, I kind of knew or, you know, the summer between eighth grade and my freshman year that music was something I wanted to focus on. Mm -hmm. But I definitely did not do the tech side 
when I was at Drexel, I definitely went more to the business side because after that senior year of being in a recording studio, I realized I did not have the patience for that at all. <laughs> I was just like, I can I can't sit here and just stare and look at knobs and stuff. Like I I applaud the people who can do it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's definitely at this point possibly the more profitable side of the music business <laughs> seeing as I don't have a job right now which I mean I quit my job to be fair but I was just doing data entry for a company mm-hmm. called Music Reports so that wasn't exactly what I wanted to be doing mm-hmm. I mean yes I'm still sitting at a computer all day but I'm not <laughs> staring at spreadsheets all day Are you interested in like the business side of like managing bands or what where do your interests lie mostly now I would more so say maybe doing PR because, mm-hmm. you know, my friend Emily Hakes, who does PR for Brix- yeah, Brixton, yeah. as I'm sure you're familiar since she's covered like <laughs> Kevin Devine and a bunch of bands you post about. Anybody that sends me a million emails, I know their names very well. <laughs> I've, I've seen those in my inbox billions of times at this point. Yeah, and I mean, Brixton has a really good roster. So basically, anytime I get an email from them, it's like I'm posting it over on Hi-Fi mm-hmm. Noise without question. I'm just like, yeah, I'm familiar. I'll go post this right now, <laughs> you know. But mm-hmm. I think PR is definitely it's definitely hard, but I think it's kind of rewarding to see bands grow from, you know, kind of the work you've put in. I I know management is somewhat the same too but mm-hmm. i feel like i pr just might be something i would be better at or you know something involving social media since i am on that all day anyway <laughs> because i've even been yeah. applying to jobs lately that aren't music industry based but if they need like a social media person i'll apply mm-hmm. but then i realize my resume literally is all music stuff so they're probably going to say no but you know it's worth a shot yeah definitely that makes sense But yeah, to go back to the site a little bit and even Twitter, I know we've gone back and forth on Twitter before about various apps and whatnot. And Coda is one that's come up, which I don't personally code the Hi-Fi Noise website. I basically downloaded the template and kind of tweaked a few things on it, which Mm -hmm. basically I made the links the color I wanted them so you could see them (laughs) more clearly and did a few other things. But do you use Coda to kind of fix things on the site here and there or is it something you're using almost every day to just kind of check on things and make sure you know you didn't miss anything in the code yeah so basically i mean code is uh, an app that's created by a company that's actually based out of portland here by the name of panic and they do really cool mac apps and so the app by itself is really just a kind of glorified text editor. (laughs) So it's to edit the code itself, but also to keep track of where everything is. So it also has like the uh, SFTP client built in, a terminal built in, has access to the uh, SQL database that I'm using that I can get access to. And it's got a bunch of reference stuff. So I basically use that as my like home base that has a variety of different apps that I could separate out, but instead it's all kind of just right there. So if I do need to make changes in like a PHP file or something like that, that's the app that I'm using where I will open up the the code, go through it, make whatever changes I need to commit it and uh, pull it down to the the actual server. So I can do everything from just kind of one place. And I've been using that app, 
I don't know, since whenever I switched over to using Macs, <laughs> so quite a, so quite a while now, uh, and it's just it's just really familiar to me, and I like the way that it works, and I like the workflow for, for it, and I like knowing that I can keep kind of anything that's like related to the code works there and it can just sit there and I don't have to worry about it and it's just a very easy and uh, an enjoyable experience and then plus they also have iOS apps now that let you do pretty basic code editing but enough that if say all of a sudden I'm out somewhere and I see something's messed up on the site like up oh, I just messed something up in the CSS I can quickly on my phone just go in and make that change right. <laughs> which is crazy to me given the uh coding like workflow that i had to do way back in the day to all of a sudden be like i can on my phone make a change and it push it out if i need to it's pretty pretty incredible yeah and did you end up coding course from scratch yourself or did you kind of start with some sort of template and basically just change everything to your liking yeah, so I so it's all built on the uh, whatever their 2014 is the name of the okay. original theme. So it's actually like the default uh, WordPress theme, which from 2014 because that's when I started <laughs> doing all of that. So it's the 2014 theme that I basically just copied and then. Uh, pasted into a new directory and was like, well, let's just start with this and see kind of what happens. And so I built everything based on using that as like the quote template or the default files and then just made all the changes to it. So because I had, it was the first time ever using WordPress. I'd never used WordPress before. I looked at some of the other themes that were out there and didn't like them, (laughs) which is like nothing was like uh, speaking to me uh, and didn't, wasn't working in the way that I wanted it to work. Like I have a very opinionated way of what I wanted things to do and how I wanted them to look and how I wanted URLs structured and how I wanted links structured and how I wanted the navigation. Like I was just, and the more and more that I went down that path, I realized that there wasn't any like template or theme out there already built that did that. So I was like, okay, guess I'm building it myself. Yeah. And recently I mentioned, you know, I also switched to the WordPress software from just the WordPress.com themes and everything. Thankfully, one of the members of the Chorus FM forum posted, I believe it was in like the Squarespace thread or something that, you know, he had a free server to use to his liking. And so he actually helped me set it up and is hosting it for free right now, which is great because my site doesn't get, you know, necessarily enough traffic to where I really want to pay a ton of money for something every month. I mean, I know it's Mm. not super expensive, but not having a a job and everything right now, it helps that he's (laughs) willing to help me out. And, you know, it kind of allowed me to just fix a few things that were really just bothering me that I was not able to fix without basically going through and creating my own theme from scratch and then somehow getting that onto the WordPress theme directory, basically, or whatever with WordPress.com. So now I can just kind of go in there. I think I have a child theme set up. And then mm-hmm. I can just kind of tweak that as I go and it'll just run off of, I believe I have the pen scratch theme right now. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm no coding wizard or anything. I'm actually not all that great at it. I'm way better at reading like HTML and everything than I am at knowing what to put and where. So, but you mentioned Coda being able to do all of these other things. I had downloaded FileZilla for the FTP mm. client. and. Okay boy, that thing looks like it's from the 90s. I looked at it and I was like, oh, what? 
is this? Like, <laughs> it, it's kind of like panic. using Audacity. Oh, yeah, which like it, it looks like a Windows application. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> from the 90s, and it hasn't yeah, been exactly. updated in like 20 years. Yeah. So, you know, I may look into Coda and kind of invest in that if it's something that you think is definitely a good investment, even if I'm not necessarily coding everything myself from scratch. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd, I'd say two things. One is that if that's something that you're interested in, the way you're doing it is 100% how I'd recommend doing it is just trying, like just going right. in and being like, I want to make these links blue. How do I do it? And yeah. trying to figure it out. Like that's completely how I started doing things was like trying to figure out what do I like online? Like I'd see a website somewhere. I still remember like seeing Microsoft.com back in the day and seeing a drop down menu. It was the <laughs> first time I had ever seen a drop down menu, like an actual like you hover over and it's it the little menu would drop down and it blew my mind. I was just like, I can't believe like you can do this on the Internet. And I wanted to figure out how they did it. And that was kind of my introduction to JavaScript back in the day. So I think that that's totally the way to go is like to just start playing around with things. I think that like code itself is a good app if it's something that you are going to want to do long term, uh, but also it's not necessary for any of this stuff. Like you can use right. basically any text editor to edit any of the files. Uh, I like TextMate just as a regular old uh, text editor. And I think that uh, Panic also has their own FTP client called Transmit. I want to say, oh, yeah, okay. almost it. Or it might be, it's not transit, no, it's transmit. I always get the band name in. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the I think there is up. an app called Transit, but it's not by Panic. So then it's yeah. like, gets very confusing. Yeah, it's called Trans, <laughs> yeah, it is Transmit, which is also just an SFTP client, which uh, I use sometimes as well, which is much better looking than than, than the other one. But yeah, yeah I, I will know. have to look into that. Because <laughs> I opened FileZilla and I was like, wow, this, this hurts to look at. <laughs> yeah. Especially on a Mac, you're like, wow, you do not fit with this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And hey, there's something that was like one of my big reasons for wanting to use Coda to begin with was I was using Windows software for so long. And I, I don't even remember what I was using at the time. I think Dreamweaver was the last thing that I was using on Windows. And there's something about like the tools that you use, I do think help make better products. Like if you're super into the tools that you're doing things with uh, and or like part of your workflow, I do think that that can lead to a better end result. Like you can see the difference between what I designed on Windows, which was absolute punk, <laughs> and, what, and what I designed on a Mac, which is uh, the new stuff. And I do think right. that being in like the Apple environment has changed my aesthetic preferences or at least like just seeing things that work in a certain way so much makes that makes it a lot easier i guess yeah and i know we've also either through twitter or the forums kind of talked about automation and everything are there things on the site that you have automated i specifically wanted to ask you about the release calendar that you have okay because you know obviously you have a huge list of albums that come out every friday and then you have amazon links for all of them So is that something you figured out how to automate so that it would basically do all of that work for you instead of you, you know, searching for every single album on Amazon, finding (laughs) the link, copying it and pasting it? Yeah. So 
automation is definitely a big part of my workflow. I mean, at this point, I'm still the only person that's done any coding on the website. I'm pretty much the only one writing even for the, on the website. We do have some contributors that are slowly working their way back into posting stuff up on the site. So automation is very important to me. Like I want the website to run quickly and but also stay or look updated, right? So like right. things on the homepage where it comes to like the required reading on the right, uh, the top stories, the featured, all of that stuff. I don't want to have to go in and like hand code each one of those in each time. And that's the same way with like the release date. So the release date is was actually one of the last things that I put on the website. I didn't even know if I was going to launch with it. And like last moment, I was like, I think I can do this really quickly. So what it is, is that uh, I want to say three or four years ago, I built a script, like just wrote something on my computer that it looks at like five or six different sources online that kind of have put together some sort of a release date calendar. And it grabs all of those puts it in a text file, looks for duplicates, and if there are, then it deletes it, and then alphabetizes everything by week. And I was just using it for myself because I wanted something that I could just look at text files and be like, okay, what's coming out this week? And the old release date calendar that was on AP was basically all users submitted. So it was like somebody would have to go in and submit a release date to it, and then we would approve it, and it would go up there. Which is okay, and you're able to get some of the smaller releases that way. But if somebody is not constantly diligent about making sure that it's updated, it does not stay very updated. So I wanted something that I could just look at and be like, well, what's coming out today? What's coming out next week? What's coming out three weeks from now? Do I want to schedule an exclusive with that band? Do I want to make sure that there's a review for the band? So it was built on something that I built for myself just because I wanted that. And now it basically is using that same script that I wrote and doing a few little other things to grab not only all the band names and all of that stuff, but then it also automates like the links to Amazon. Like that's all just done by itself. So basically every Thursday is I'm just going in and checking uh, a couple of the other places like iTunes and Amazon itself to see is like there anything that was secretly announced in like the last week or so that the automated script didn't grab. Uh, add that in. It's really easy. I'm just adding a text file, tossing it in there and uploading it. And then it's really easy to just keep that updated on a, uh, as you said, like in automated fashion. Yeah. I've been using apps like Workflow for iOS and it's like, mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't even know where to start because one, I'm pretty bad with scripts too. So that's definitely Uh something I need to get better at. But I know we both follow Mac stories and Mm -hmm. Federico Vitici posts a bunch of his workflows. So usually I just end up stealing a bunch of his workflows and (laughs) see if I end up using them or not. Uh Because sometimes I'll look at like the steps and everything. And I'm like, my brain would not have come to any of those conclusions anywhere <laughs> during this That's setup. Really funny. Yeah. So it's really cool that you have that skill as well to sort of, you know, write these scripts and save time on the site, basically on, you know, simple things. Because what I do is I'll check like the Metacritic mm-hmm. release calendar And I will typically go into my Holix promos to find, you know, smaller releases. Mm -hmm. I'll just like control F and put in the date I'm searching for. And I'm like, oh, yeah, these are all coming out and I need to go listen to them like right now. (laughs) So (laughs) that's kind of how I add in some of the smaller releases in mine. Mm -hmm. But I typically only pick, you know, a handful each week that. I think people who follow the site might be interested in or 
even ones that I'm just interested in because I highly mm-hmm. doubt people who follow my site are really that into country music, but I still post <laughs> those ones anyway, just so I can have a place where I can like mm-hmm. go back and look at them if I need to. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do more of also with our weekly posts now, which is why like I don't automate the actual post in the news feed about the release dates, which right. I used to. Like that used to that was all just a cron job that I was running in the background on AP that just pulled the information, posted on the homepage. I never did anything with that it just kept running <laughs> it would still be running if the website was up right, right now <laughs> still <laughs> going com- being rejected every time because <laughs> <laughs> that was just completely automated whereas now what i what i'm doing is i'm automating the release date calendar pretty much by itself with a little bit of curation on the side from me and then i'm making like my own news post uh friday morning which then i'm posting up with a link to the release date calendar copy and pasting all of the stuff underneath it and then also trying to highlight like the three or four releases that I think people should check out or are obviously popular on the site or maybe one of the contributors wrote like a review for. So like when that Sturgill uh, album came out what uh, a couple weeks back, it was like, OK, this is out this week and Craig reviewed it. Check out this review and check out the album. So trying to, you know, try and have the best of both worlds because I do want it to be a more... Uh, cohesive and like I do want all of the releases just because I I'm the kind of person that when you try to find that online it doesn't exist in a good place really and so I wanted a place that's like hey if all you do is just go to course.fm slash releases or whatever it is release dates um, you can just see everything that's coming out for like the next four or five weeks and that was that was solving a problem for me. And if nobody else likes it that way, I'm sure that there's millions of other ways they can find what's coming out each week. iTunes, Spotify, Discover Weekly playlists, all of that sort of yeah. stuff works. But for me, like my brain works like I just want a list. I just want a big list that just shows me the things that are coming out. I can read through it and decide what do I want to check out? What do I want to add to my playlist to listen to for the next couple of days? Right. Yeah, that's something I would definitely do if I was not lazy and not wanting to do it, you know, the long way every single time. Because what I do is I put iTunes and Amazon links for each one. Okay. So I'll like put out the artist album title and then I have iTunes and Amazon in brackets or, you know, Bandcamp if the band doesn't have it Mm -hmm. up on Amazon ahead of time or whatever. And you're not automating any of that stuff? No, because I have not taken the time to figure uh. that part out. <laughs> so it's... It, shouldn't, yeah, it shouldn't be that hard to be able to like grab the, I mean, because you have the band name and the album name right there. And so yeah. it's pretty easy to like, once you know what the URL structure is for both iTunes and Amazon, you can pretty easily plug those in. Yeah, because I have affiliate links for both right now, even though mm. I've made like a whole 50 cents off of it. <laughs> hey, did you make 50 cents off iTunes? That's probably more than I've ever paid off iTunes. <laughs> yeah, I think it was iTunes, actually. I think someone bought like a $7 CD or something or a download or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think Amazon, Amazon does pretty well for us. Like that that affiliate program has been pretty great. But the iTunes one, for whatever reason, just not, not, a super, not a super profitable affiliate for us. Yeah, that's funny. I haven't gotten anything from Amazon, but it turned out one of my affiliate accounts was like shut down because I didn't accept some term or something and I was like I never got an email about this so how was I supposed to know I needed to accept (laughs) something so then I had to like go through the process and make a new one with like a new little 
token or whatever yeah Yeah. (laughs) and I was just like all right that's annoying (laughs) so now I'm like constantly trying to make sure I have it on the right one because you can't just go in and delete the old one that you can't use anymore I'm just (laughs) like why are you doing this to me Amazon but yeah Uh, I definitely need to work on more automation on my end because I feel like sometimes I'm just like wasting time doing things I'm like why is this taking so long Yeah, I mean, you can get, you can go down that rabbit hole and all of a sudden start trying to automate things where you spend more time putting together the, (laughs) the process or the scripts to automate something than you'll ever spend doing the little thing. Yeah. But I I have found that for like minor little things that it really does save me a lot of time throughout the day. I mean, even little things like when we're posting news, like one of the things that I always do is I bold a band name and I link the band name to the tag page on the site, right? So that's something that I do thousands of times every single day. Highlight the band name need to bold it need to link it to the tag page so instead of like doing that individually every single time i've just got a little text expander snippet set up that i just hit two keys highlight it hit two keys on the keyboard just the the colon and the comma just back to back and it'll automatically bold it link it grab the band name format it the correct way and uh make it all lowercase add the little dash between if there's spaces and link it all up for me and that's something that just saves me so much time uh on any given day that it adds up it was like okay that was worth sitting down and trying to automate and make sure that that was something that i could do easily yeah see I didn't even realize you could do those kind of things with text expander because right now I just have it you know doing exactly what it says and expanding snippets of text yeah you can do cool little things with like little scripts and code and it takes javascript and apple script you can do a lot of cool little things on i clearly need a jason tate lesson in automation <laughs> over here so i don't think anybody needs that boring as hell. <laughs> if we haven't lost all your podcast listeners already we start talking about this oh yeah i know okay <laughs> Before we get, this is slightly less nerdy of a question, I guess. It's more so with, like, what music apps are you using right now? I've been trying out Symbol lately. I even moved it to my home screen because I couldn't handle looking at the new Instagram icon anymore. (laughs) It, It was just, like, ruining my home screen mojo. I was like this is too bright for my home screen. I have like blues and grays and whites on here. <laughs> like, so you need funny. to go. <laughs> but yeah, I've been trying out symbol and someone created a thread for it in chorus. So now, you know, we all have more people to follow and it's a little more fun to see what other people are listening to instead of, you know, just getting Spotify links on Twitter mm-hmm. where you can't even see what they're actually listening to. If someone just like types something about a song, but doesn't type what song it is they're listening to. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have not actually used that app yet. Like that was one of those that is on my list to check out (laughs) and want to use because a lot of people have been saying really positive things about that. There's the other one that I I tried just the other day. What was the name of it? Was it the SoundShare one? Yeah, that's it. SongShare, SoundShare, whatever it was called. I tried that one. I like... Signed up for it, looked at it, but it just didn't seem like I was not in the mood to go try to create another following list. Like yeah. I didn't want to go, you know, import all these friends and do all these things. I was just like, I just, I don't care enough to do that right now. Yeah. I logged in and added like three people and was like, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, that Like that didn't seem like that was going to solve a problem for me that I was looking for. But uh, Symbol is definitely one that's on my radar to to check out hopefully soon. Basically, music app wise, like all I, I, I use Apple Music and iTunes. <laughs> I know it's not great and yeah. I know that it has a lot of problems. But the main thing that I was trying, yeah, I mean, the killer feature for me is that it, 
it ties my local library and a streaming library together. And so instead of having to have two apps, I just need one app. And that, that was big and enough for me that I suffer through some of the issues. So that's really the, the main music app that I use is Apple Music. Yeah, and that little iTunes bug that was going around recently was making me think it was Apple Music. And I was like, what is going on? Because I went to like remove something or kind of try to delete something as a download so I could re-download it through iCloud. Mm -hmm. And it deleted my advance of Modern Baseball's album off my... But luckily, I use Backblaze. So I like thought about this after I had ranted to a few people about it. I was like, what is happening? And then I was like, I have Backblaze. Let me go do that before it updates again. <laughs> so I like grabbed it from there because I didn't want to look like an idiot and like email Talia at Brixton and be like, so my computer just did a thing where it just deleted the whole album. <laughs> yeah. Can I please have another one? <laughs> you know? So I finally figured that out and I was like, Oh, okay. So just don't do anything because what it was doing was it wouldn't bring up that little dialog box where it asks if you want to keep the files before deleting okay. something out of iTunes. Oh, gotcha. So gotcha. then it just automatically deleted it. And I always hit keep files specifically for that reason mm-hmm. because I don't want it deleted from my actual laptop. Mm-hmm. And it just like skipped that whole step. Oh, and wow. I, didn't I mean, know that. it only did it to, I think it was two albums. So it wasn't like I lost my entire local library, which I would have mm. had a panic attack if that happened. I would not have known what to do. <laughs> Backlist, now you know. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I have this. This is why I pay for this. Yeah. No, the advances, that's that's the main reason why I don't just use like Spotify. Like I like yeah. being able to put everything into one like bucket, so to say. And then if I'm going for a walk somewhere and all of a sudden want to listen to a certain album, I have access to it and I don't have to be like, oh, is that on my home computer or where did I download that? Right. Uh, oh, I've only got Spotify here, so I can't listen to it. So I like having access to all of those things, even though it does have some very annoying bugs at times that still drive me crazy. Yeah, and one of the uh, <laughs> features I really like is just the ability to hit the plus and add an album to your library. Mm, mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, new releases, I need to listen to these ones. Let's just like kind of put <laughs> these in here so I see them and I remember that I need to listen to them. And so have you Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, did you update iTunes today? Yes, I did. Okay, so do you listen how is your like workflow for listening? Do you go to the album section? Do you go to songs? Do you go to artists? Like how do you usually browse your iTunes? Before the update, I had like the recently added above yep. my library yep. and I would look okay. at it in albums view because okay. I, I just think that's a lot nicer to look at than these like lists and how they have it in the other views or like the artist view I don't really like. And I have it set on to like do the like the color matching basically with the album mm-hmm. when you drop down. Yes, yes, okay. So I would basically just do that and like go in and listen an album at a time. Sometimes I'll go into the, like if I'm out on the treadmill or something, I'll go into the For You section and just have a playlist play because I don't, <laughs> I'm not really going to be paying attention to the music anyway because my mind kind of mm-hmm. just wanders when I'm doing that. So gotcha. it's like, I found the For You section isn't too bad for me. I know a lot of people have complained a bit about it, but you can like go in and reset and pick new artists and everything if it's like mm-hmm. not to your liking or whatever. But I mean, 
I do get like a lot of country and a lot of Eminem, so I don't know what that says about me. But <laughs> <laughs> my my only problem with the for you section, and I've I've given this rant before on, on my own podcast, is I don't understand why it will give me intro to bands that I literally have every single album yeah. in my catalog. <laughs> it's like the other day I pop it open, and it says intro to Newfound Glory. And I'm like, why would you need to introduce me to Newfound Glory? You know that I have literally every Newfound Glory song in my library like what are you guys doing yeah driving me crazy i mean sometimes those act as like a good shuffle basically yeah, if you don't want to listen yeah, to just yeah. one single album but yeah today yeah. i think i got intro to the get up kids and i have at least a few <laughs> of their albums i was like been nice. introduced yeah. thank you like who are those guys i've never heard of them or i get uh, i think i get intro to beyonce a lot too and i'm like we've met thank you well not in person but you know that's amazing yeah so the itunes update today though threw off my workflow for usually how I would view everything because I do the same thing that you do right like I go yeah. through usually on Friday and I'll just add a bunch of stuff that is in the new section to my library I just hit the plus button and I wish that was easier that should be like a hover thing instead of having to click two buttons by yeah the way. or even like, like a 3d touch thing inside yeah, the app anything besides the little three little uh, ellipses anyway yeah <laughs> side sidebar so I go through and add all of those things because I know that they sit there in my recently list or recently added or whatever section and that was always at the top of my library and I really enjoyed it, that being there and today it updates and now it's like got this new sidebar that just has the recently listed stuff so it still yeah. exists but it's kind of like pulled out in a different world now so I felt like totally th- thrown off this morning because <laughs> and you can't I can't view it in a list view which is how I usually listen to some of those because I'd be like okay I'm gonna try a few different songs and now it's like just all whole giant thing of squares and I was like okay thanks iTunes I wasn't ready for that this morning I was getting into listening to music and all of a sudden I'm just like I don't know where any of my music is like any of the stuff that I, I meant to listen to is just not there and I was like oh you got a sidebar now that I have to turn on and view and yeah that was a lot of fun yeah thanks, thanks Apple it automatically had the sidebar and I was like no I don't want this I don't like <laughs> sidebars so I was no I was like going through all the settings I was like where do I turn this off <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing but yeah I I mean, it wasn't huge differences. I'm definitely interested in seeing what they are going to do in June, supposedly, with mm-hmm. all of the like iTunes, Apple Music overhaul. Not necessarily an overhaul, but you know, apparently they're making some interface changes to yeah. kind of s- try and simplify things. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I think until yeah. then, I'm okay with things as they are, other than that whole deleting a couple albums problem but i think i figured that out now do you listen to most of your music on your iphone or like ios device or do you listen to most of it on your computer i think with music it varies i'm definitely using my phone constantly for overcast because i listen to an absurd amount of podcasts so i was a little happy when you guys said you would be doing every other week because i was like oh (laughs) that's like an extra hour and a half every other week that i'll have (laughs) i felt amazed so last weekend i finally hit podcast zero for like the first time in months i was like i don't have anything to listen to i can actually go find like an audiobook to listen to because i ran out on sunday i was like i this is the first time in literally months that my overcast queue has been completely empty (laughs) yeah now that you can do uploads for overcast you don't even have to have like an audiobook app you can just take the files and put them in there nope that's what i've been doing love it because it keeps track of where you're at you can easily put them on there i got its own little playlist thing in there and i was able to move another app off my home screen and not need to have two things up there very very helpful yeah i have quite the full i have a listen later playlist so it's basically for podcasts that i'm starting from 
the beginning or trying to catch up on or for some like the incomparable i'll only listen to certain episodes based on the topic but like they they had one <laughs> topic and hosts yeah, yeah they had one about the first two volumes of the wicked and the divine which mm. i have yet to read the first volume i have so it's like that one's going to sit in there basically until i read <laughs> the first two volumes of that so when i say like my podcast queue is at zero i just mean my you know my regular episodes and then <laughs> yeah. i'll go listen to that listen later playlist that i have going basically that's awesome so yeah it, I, I do the same thing yeah. where i i because i go all you'll discover a podcast and you'll listen to like a recent episode and then it's like well i should go back and see if any of these other ones are good yeah. and i did that with the uh you're not so smart podcast where i saw like all these things way down at the bottom i was like okay i'm just gonna add all of these and added a bunch of them in there so yeah overcast definitely makes it easy to do so you do not listen then to a lot of music on your phone because you're doing mostly podcasts right and then it's more so when i'm sitting at my desk and you know kind of needing to listen to those Holics advances or even review <laughs> albums i'll probably sit at my computer i finally put my computer speakers back on my desk because they were sitting in a box <laughs> from when i moved home in like january <laughs> because i well i got a new desk i have a standing desk now before i okay. had a tiny little corner desk so i couldn't fit my external monitor on it and my laptop oh, no. because it was so small so now that i have a nice spacious desk i could like set up the monitor and set up the speakers and get all of that and i think that'll kind of give me more incentive to listen to more music now that i have so you- speakers up <laughs> Were you using headphones or were you just listening to them out of like the little uh, laptop speakers? Sometimes I would do the laptop, but usually I would put headphones in mostly because the dog likes to bark a lot. So... (laughs) And the neighbor's dogs like to bark a lot because they'll bark until they let them back inside, basically. (laughs) So if anyone ever hears dogs during the podcast, (laughs) it's most likely the neighbor's dogs wanting to go back inside. And one of the dogs will bark at literally anything that moves. So if like a person walks by, he'll bark. If a person oh, walks by no. with the dog, it's even worse. If like a small child is out front, he will bark. Worst thing that I get is just the needy cat every once in a while decides in the middle of a podcast like, nope, uh, I need attention now. And he'll just jump up and start like <laughs> bumping into the microphone and doing all that sort of stuff. <laughs> so do you like the standing desk? Yeah, it's great. And it was like, it's an autonomous standing desk so which is the brand so it was like only $350 which I feel like is half the price of what one is usually supposed to cost Mm -hmm. so I was like well even though I don't have a job it's like too cheap not to get one basically (laughs) so it's a tax (laughs) write-off I mean they are very heavy though so if anyone is looking into standing desks just be warned because I could not like carry the boxes up the two steps to get into the house like my dad had to do that because I think one was at least 60 pounds and that was the smaller box. Mm-hmm. And then the the tabletop came in its own box. So that was just like the size of me. Basically, I was like, there's no way this is going anywhere. <laughs> do you find yourself pacing? I tried to do the standing thing for like a week, uh, like last year or so. I didn't get like an actual desk. I tried to like just prop some stuff up to see if I would like it. Yeah. And I found that I just basically ended up just pacing around the room and would then like walk by my computer and do something <laughs> and then pace more. It was like the I was unable to find like a good productive <laughs> uh, routine for myself 
myself. Like I wanted to like it because it's you know supposed to be just so much healthier for you and way better. And it's probably awful how much I sit and just right. have the worst posture in the world here. But at the same time, like I just I could not find a way to like make it work for myself. I just kept just daydreaming slash like oh well, I'm standing. So if I'm standing, <laughs> obviously I need to walk over here right. and go to the kitchen or walk over here. Like it was just distracting me way too much. And I mean that probably says more about me than anything else. Yeah, I think I've developed this habit since getting an Apple Watch because on the 50 minute mark of every hour, it'll remind you to stand up if you haven't yet that hour. And I've noticed that some hours I would stand up for more than a minute and it just wouldn't register it. So I would start like swaying back and forth (laughs) and then it would realize I was standing. So when I put my desk like up in the standing position, I kind of noticed that I do sway back and forth like while I'm typing. And I think it's just out of habit of having the Apple Watch for like the last year or so. That makes sense. So, and I mean, it's in my room, like with my bed and dresser and everything. So I don't really have that much space to pace (laughs) around. It's like I would essentially be walking in a very tight circle. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, because the desk, I think it was like 54 inches by 32 or something. So it's a fairly big desk. And I had to like move a ton of stuff in my, well, not a ton of stuff. I had to move my two bookshelves or one bookshelf to kind of make it fit. And I have like mm-hmm. basically a foot between my desk and the front of the bookshelf. So I mm. can get books out of the bookshelf. And that was all that mattered. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Do you like working like in the same area that like you live, like you find that difficult. That's, that seems to be the question that a lot of people always ask me. Cause I've just, I mean now what, 10 years, 15 years, something like that have worked from quote home. So is that something that is easy for you? Does it bug you? How do you feel about that? I mean, it would be nice to have a separate room to be in, but I'm mm. not a person who will really like take my laptop and go lay in bed with it. Okay. So I don't really find that to be a problem. Sometimes if I like grab a book or grab my Kindle, I'll go lay on the bed and read. But then at that point, I'm not working really. So, (laughs) and I wouldn't even really call what I do work necessarily because I'm not getting paid. (laughs) So (laughs) it's like I am running the website and Wreck-It Records, but it's not, it doesn't feel like work to me. Mm-hmm. Also, not getting paid makes it not feel like work <laughs> at this point in time. No, you're selling yourself short. <laughs> like you're doing podcasts. I see how much like writing and stuff you're doing. You're doing podcasts. You're putting stuff together. You're coordinating stuff. I mean, I consider that work. I think that that. I mean, it's awesome that you don't consider it work because it makes it way easier to do and it's fun yeah. to do. But like at the same time, that that definitely gets to count as work. I, I don't know. I think you're selling yourself short. Yeah, and I mean, I don't nap during the day, so okay. the whole like having the bed five feet away is really not a problem for me because mm-hmm. I I sleep horribly as it is. I mean, it's been better now since I've moved back home because it's much quieter and there aren't neighbors yelling <laughs> at each other in a foreign language at five in the morning, <laughs> which would happen a lot at my apartment. Oh. And I was just like, "What? you all sound so angry all the time. It's <laughs> like, can we not? <laughs> just, just let me sleep, please. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, I am never going to sleep again at this apartment, apparently. <laughs> so, and I mean, I have my windows, like, they're not blacked out. They're kind of, like, they mm-hmm. have foil on them. So it doesn't look great from the outside. <laughs> but <laughs> They just think you're probably like doing pot smoking. Yeah, and probably. Build, have a little Cops will just stop by one day. <laughs> like, what's going on in that room? <laughs> We're growing nothing, I swear. Yeah. It's just, I want it dark. And then they'll walk in and be like, all right, we can go now. 
Well, I can see comic books. Yeah. Everyone is standing desk. They're like, oh, it's just a nerd. Never yeah, mind. basically. But yeah, it's like I have to have it really dark in the room to be able to sleep because mm-hmm. even when I was in Philly, there was like a street li- a street light right outside my window and it oh, drove okay. me crazy and I slept so horribly there. My friends would like text me in the middle of the night and I would respond but forget by the time I actually woke up that I had responded to something in the middle of the night (laughs) and they're like do you sleep I'm like I think so but I'm not really sure (laughs) that's amazing so yeah then they started texting me like in the middle of the night on purpose to see if I would respond and if I would remember it in the morning I'm like guys this isn't funny but it kind (laughs) of is (laughs) that's really really funny but yeah so Earlier, we mentioned a little bit about the whole sexism thing in the music industry, and sadly, we've been seeing that a lot lately, especially, you know, with the alleged assaults and everything and, you know, assaults that have been proven to have happened. So I just wanted to kind of get your perspective on the current state of the music industry. I know that's kind of why misaligned was originally started too because you know not to take away from any of the music podcasts that are out there but it's always guys hosting them so Mm -hmm. when chris from modern vinyl approached me about this i thought it was a really cool idea and you know i grabbed caitlin who wrote for absolute punk and then ashley aaron to start who was you know working on showcases and everything before Property of Zach shut down. So I felt like, you know, that was a good group to get going and kind of launch this podcast and discuss these issues from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, I, that's why I, I, lo- I love this podcast from the start and have recommended to a lot of people to check out because I do think that one of the most important things is to listen to those voices, right? Like listen to the people that are actually uh, affected and impacted and have stories to tell. And that by and large, my quote, like job in any of that is to shut up and amplify the voices and to point people to what's, what's being said, but that it's not necessarily my place to interject like my thoughts and opinions on it because they don't really matter <laughs> like that this that's not not the the people that we should be listening to and asking to talk about these things and uh so for me like i mean it's been very difficult to watch this sort of stuff go on in the pop punk slash just music world in general um because it's sad like it's really sad and depressing uh but at the same time i do think that having some of these discussions Uh, or at least opening up some people's eyes to things that they maybe didn't even know were problems before. Um, And I know that there's been a lot of people that I've talked to that have said things like, I grew up listening to pop punk music and really liked a lot of these songs. And it's difficult for me now to go back and listen to some of these songs because of just how awful they are. You know, there's like misogynistic language and sexist language and things like that that are difficult to even get through. And so hearing that from people, like, I do think that it's been a, that's a positive, uh, that's something to at least take away that's been good. Um, And I do think that there's a continual education cycle of why it's important that people continue to speak out about these things that are going on in the music world. Because I, I don't think that it is that now there's just more sexual assault in the music world. I 
just think that now people are more willing and the internet has allowed people to speak up about it. Right. Um, and, and, and in the past, these things would have been whispered behind closed doors at local shows and that it was happening. It's just now we, we finally do have a way with the advent of the internet to talk about it more. Um, and so I do think that given that, we need to talk about it more uh, if we're going to ever have any chance at, I guess, quote, fix it, you know? Right. And, you know, some people think that sometimes women should be the only one discussing this these issues. But I also think that's, you know, somewhat the wrong approach to it because, yes, more women are being affected by this. But at the same time, if there are men out there like yourself and even Frank Turner, which we mentioned the last episode, his article that he wrote about one of his fans feeling harassed at his show. I think it's really important for the men to kind of get behind this too and show their support and help to stop these things from happening, especially if it's a musician and something happened at one of his own shows. I think, you know, it's definitely going to need to be an effort from everyone to fight this and, you know, get it to, well, like you said, fix it and kind of get these assaults to stop happening, especially in the music industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you bring up a really good point about some of these artists using their position and like the power and privilege that they have as artists and to say stuff. And I mean, they literally have the soapbox when they're up on stage and they have a lot of adoring fans that listen to them. And I think that that's important. And I think that as you were saying, when it comes to, I guess, like other guys and stuff, in the industry or just even as fans in shows that like we should be using our privilege to call out dudes that are doing inappropriate things. Like we see something, we need to say something. Right. Like we, it can't, it can't be that, Oh, it's not our, our, our place. Like it's like that we do have the privilege and ability that if something that we see something going wrong, that we need to call out even our friends if they're the ones that are uh, doing something inappropriate. Yeah, definitely. And I know things like Safer Scene have been started, and I think there are definitely a lot of good first steps being taken here. And as someone who hasn't personally experienced this, it's also still, you know, a learning experience for me to kind of figure out the right ways to speak about this without, you know, offending anyone, which when we did do an Assault and Allegations episode, in regards to, I believe it was better off was the stepping off point for that episode. There were mm-hmm. some things that were brought to my attention that I definitely could have maybe handled in a better way or phrased differently so as to not, you know, offend anyone or the victim or anything like that. So even if women are talking about it, it's not necessarily women who these things have happened to. So even on that side, it's still a learning experience for a lot of people because obviously it hasn't happened to everyone. And mm-hmm. at the same time, we all don't want it to 
happen at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I also do think that, I mean, I've been in that same position where I've said stuff or used the wrong words or not known that some the way that I phrased something or the way that I said something was offensive. And it took people calling me out and saying like, hey, uh, that's actually not the right words to use. Right. Like, don't say it this way. And I've had to do a lot of learning over the past few years. And I'm very thankful to everybody that has called me out or pointed me in the direction of like educational material to be like to understand a lot of these concepts. And I think that 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 is important. And it's it's you know it is it's on us to educate ourselves, but it's also very helpful when people do things like that and are able to point out like, okay, like this is why you shouldn't use this phrase and use this one instead. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I've, I've been very grateful for the people that have had the patience to deal with me and educate right. me <laughs> over the past few years because uh, it's been very, very helpful. Yeah. And it's kind of like when you start learning anything in general, you're definitely going to make mistakes. And, you know, people are typically willing to help you figure things out. And I feel like the same can be applied to this because, you know, like you mentioned, using the wrong terms and having people correct you and that sort of thing. It's like, as long as you can tell someone definitely has good intentions, I think we're we're heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. No, that's a that's a really good point, especially if like if we walk into these debates wanting to believe the best in the person you're talking to, like right. wanting to believe that they want to be an ally or that they're looking for uh, trying to do the right things. I do think that you can start on a good you can start off on the right foot that way better. And I, I've been thankful and blessed with the people that have talked to me about these things over the past a few years that they, you know, are giving me the benefit of the doubt to have these conversations. So like when I ask a question that is probably just ridiculous and they're like, oh my God, this is like first principles, what are you doing? But they actually will take the time to explain to me why, uh, what the answer is and things like that. So I do think that, that that's very important is that we can have these conversations and talk about these things, but tr- uh, especially with people that are obviously not just going in it to be hostile uh to have the conversation in a way that is educational versus like uh, i guess accusatory right well not to do a complete 180 but (laughs) to kind of go to another more you know male-centric industry you and i both really enjoy comics i think i've been getting into it more recently than you have this really just started to kind of last year for me when I got my job and, you know, had my own money to spend on things. And Mm -hmm. we've talked in the forums and everything about it. But off the top of your head, do you think you could name like five of your favorite characters to read comics for? Oh, interesting. I like that. The character idea. Um, So, I mean, I'm first curious, like, what was the first comic that like, kind of grabbed you that got you into like wanting to explore this medium more was there one or was it just that you just had money and were like i'm just going to start grabbing a couple different things you know i think i started kind of more so with the movies and i think the movies really got me into wanting to know the history of these characters and right now i subscribe to marvel unlimited Mm -hmm. and i'm really bummed that dc doesn't have a similar thing i don't know why it makes no sense i think dc definitely wants to make more money probably because you know marvel has i think it's up to like thirteen thousand plus comics in marvel unlimited Mm. but it's like a good chunk of them are ones you can't even find in a comic book store anymore. Like you're not Mm. going to find Fantastic Four number one 
from mm-hmm. 1960 or whatever to read, but <laughs> yeah. it's all not all of it necessarily, but you know, Marvel Unlimited is adding stuff every week and people have mentioned, you know, having some issues with the app with like missing pages and that sort of thing, but clearly mm-hmm. I just haven't read those comics that are missing pages <laughs> because it's great on my iPad Air 2 because that's it's not quite comic book size, but it's big enough to where I can like mm-hmm. read a full page on it and it's a really great reading experience. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the movies definitely more so the since the Marvel Cinematic Universe started kind of got me heading that gotcha. direction, but I've always loved Batman. So then okay. recently I went and bought Snyder's volumes one through seven, I believe. And then okay. I was given number eight by DC to review. They actually sent me a physical copy of it, which was pretty <laughs> cool because the digital one they had given me would not open. So <laughs> that's kind of where I'm starting right now. I just started gotcha. Court of Owls last night. I only read one issue so far. And, you know, in the forum, they were like, how did you put it down? I was like, I decided to go to bed. So <laughs> that's, that's what happened. Like I sleep when I need to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I've liked superheroes for basically as long as I can remember. Like my parents have like little photos of me running around to Superman and Batman right. from when I was like, you know, knee high. That's just been, uh, I don't know. I liked playing make believe. I liked dressing up and I liked running around. So like I kind of grew up on like the, uh, what I would consider like the staples, right? Like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Spider-Man and X-Men like those were like the ones that I really enjoyed as a kid and read a whole lot of and as I got older I think I more gravitated towards like Batman and Spider-Man and that was those were the two like staples that I really followed a lot through like high school and that was kind of then where I also started branching out more and reading a bunch of different and other things but it was always it was always kind of those like the big tentpole characters because you know I wanted to be Batman and I enjoyed (laughs) swinging out uh, swinging out on my parents uh, porch and pretending (laughs) that I had grappling hooks and doing all doing all of that sort of stuff yeah and I know Image has become one of the bigger publishers now and when you compare you know the pricing to Image trades and everything to those of Marvel and DC it's kind of like why wouldn't you give these comics a try I've been really enjoying you know Saga and Song is great, yeah. I think I've read the first three volumes and I have up through five. I'm really bad at reading the comics I have and I just keep <laughs> buying more. I mean, my collection is pretty small. It doesn't even span an entire shelf on my bookshelf yet. But I have like mostly image and DC stuff because then I, like I mentioned, have Marvel Unlimited and there's no way I'm mm-hmm. ever going to catch up with Marvel Unlimited to feel the need to, you know, like... Yeah, buy new stuff. Yeah, buy the newer stuff. I do have the Alias by Brian Michael Bendis because that was mm. the Max imprint. So I didn't see that on Marvel Unlimited and I ended up buying that when Jessica Jones came out on Netflix. Oh, nice. Very good. Yeah, my uh, thankfully, my most of my collection is in my mom's basement somewhere, so I don't actually have to deal with any <laughs> of this, the storage stuff. But I haven't bought like a whole lot of new things recently besides things that I just read on my iPad or that I get as gifts and it's usually like the bigger collections, uh, like once they come out in like the hardback paperback or trade. Yeah. 
trades. Uh, so like recently, I really liked Matt uh, Faction's uh, Fraction. I've never remembered if it's Fraction or Faction. Uh, his Hawkeye series. Yeah. And uh, then the other one that I always recommend is that The Why the Last Man. Did you start reading that? I am through the first two books and I yes, have I love- four books. I think the fifth one comes out in August. It's weird because, you know, you can buy the smaller volumes or you can buy the bigger mm-hmm. books that are like two to three hundred pages. Yeah. So I went with the books and then I was getting a little confused when I was like trying to find what I needed to buy next. I was like, book three, <laughs> volume three. Wait, which which is it that I need? You know, so I, I really think funny. book five is coming out in August. So I'm sort of pacing myself with it. That's smart. But I feel like <laughs> since I started the Court of Owls yesterday, I will end up blowing through Snyder's run of Batman. Mm-hmm. So there is that. But then, like I mentioned, I keep buying stuff without <laughs> having read what I already have. So like on free comic book day, I picked up Kingdom Come and Final Crisis mm. along with the first volume of Witches. So, you know, Kingdom Come is a fairly good size trade but then final crisis is like twice the size of that so <laughs> well you've got all sorts of stuff to dive yeah. into now that's the, be- that's the best part about the comic world is that usually if you're looking for some sort of escape into the- that world you can find something like there's usually a lot of different things to to dive into yeah and it's cool because i've started doing like book and comic reviews over at hi-fi noise okay. and i signed up for a free account over at netgalley so i was getting some DC trades through there to read digitally and review, which I went a little overboard with that website because like this week alone, there are four books coming out that I need to review. (laughs) One is Stephen Hyden's new book out tomorrow. Well, we're recording this on the 16th, so it'll be out by the time you guys all hear this, but his book about, you know, the artist rivalries, basically your favorite band is Mm. killing me is the title of it. And then there's two thirty three and a third books that are out later this week that I'm needing to review. So yeah, I am in a big reading hole right now between comics and books I need to review. <laughs> totally understand. I know how that goes. <laughs> I feel that way with all my media most of the time. Besides that, I finally got caught up on podcasts, which now I'm like way behind again. Yeah, it's the same yeah. thing with 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 all the movies that you want to watch or books you want to read or TV shows that just end up sitting in a queue somewhere that I need to get to. It's like man. I don't know. I feel like yeah, we're, we're spoiled with like the riches of how much media is out there and how much really good media is out there. Yeah. Sometimes I'm I, like, I want to pump the brakes on stuff and be like, oh, I wish I just had more time to like really dive in and uh, experience some of this stuff a little bit more. And I feel that like with music sometimes too. There's just so much music that I feel like I get lost in trying to find some new band or it's like, well, here's like four new releases this week. And it's like, how much time did I actually get to spend with the new releases that came out last week? Did I even listen to the one that I really liked more than two or three times yeah. before I have to move on to the other one? I know I feel like I'm constantly kind of like trying to judge needing to feel on top of things with my desire to really do a deep dive on certain like movies, books, like sit down and actually read a book and not feel like I need to rush through it, but enjoy the process of reading fiction and not just look at my uh, bookshelf and go, well, you got like 50 books up there you need to read. So you might as well just p- plow through this one, but actually be like, no, sit down and enjoy the process. And I don't know I feel like I'm trying to do better about that in my, now my thirties, <laughs> my old age, my old age. 50 books might be an understatement of how many I have on my <laughs> shelves to read. I think I have probably roughly 200 books, not including comic books in my room. 
ones that you haven't you haven't even opened yet like they're just fresh sitting there well i've i've read a good amount of them but then i have like war and peace that will probably forever (laughs) sit on my shelf and not be read but it's like there's a used bookstore not too far from here that every time i go i feel like i'm dropping 50 dollars, and it's like i just come back with books and i'm like where am i going to put these like i am out of shelf space And not only that, but my mom has a collection of Stephen King books out in the hallway. Mm. So it's like, I'll probably want to read all of those, too. Definitely. (laughs) So it's like a never-ending list of books to read. And I'm really bad at watching movies. But I did go see Civil War on Friday morning, you know, the day it came out, or Mm-hmm. technically the day after since they come out on Thursdays now for the most part <laughs> but my dad and I went at like 10 in the morning and oh, it was 650 nice. ish for the ticket so I really can't complain <laughs> that's that is the cheapest I've seen a ticket since I was like 12, yeah so. <laughs> apparently if you go in the mornings during the week it's very cheap at AMC <laughs> <laughs> that's the secret did you enjoy it did you like it yeah I thought it was pretty good I mean my favorite part was by far Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Like, I am really excited about his solo movie now. Me too. I still really want a Black Widow solo movie, but I think that's just because I really like Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. <laughs> so we'll see if that ends up happening. I mean, there were some flaws in it. You know, Spider-Man's really mm-hmm. young and he's like fighting Captain America. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it by now. <laughs> yeah, it's been out long enough. The world's basically seen this movie. It's made like a billion dollars. Yeah. So. <laughs> I really, I did like uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man though. Yeah. Like, I've been a big Spider-Man fan and I did not love the last two movies, but I did like um, the actor's portrayal of Spider-Man. Like I thought that... Um, he did a good job, even though I didn't like the movies. And I was never a big fan of Tobey Maguire, like just just not a fan of Tobey Maguire in general. Right. <laughs> so I did like Tom's portrayal of Spider-Man and it made me excited to see what he's going to be like, like in his own universe. But I definitely agree with you. I thought that Black Panther stole the show yeah. and the whole time him. And uh, I also did like uh, Paul Rudd's Ant-Man. I thought that he did. He did a good yeah, job. Yeah, Ant-Man was really funny. I was really bummed it didn't make as much money as you know some of the like the bigger name character movies like Mm -hmm. iron man and everything but i think between ant-man and spider-man they're gonna have two really funny characters now to work with Mm -hmm. which i think is going to be a plus because you know sometimes with the avengers movies or iron man movies not all of the jokes necessarily land i know with ant-man in civil war the i what was it the orange slice joke <laughs> the, the orange slices joke. I, I yeah. think if you're like not an athlete or something like that might go over your head so because i don't recall that many people laughing at that in my theater i do know there was a baby th- that like screamed out like three times and that was about oh that's the largest amount of noise <laughs> That's good. You got to love when somebody brings the baby. And I guess they think that they're going to the 10 o'clock yeah. show on a weekday. They're like, oh, nobody's going to matter. It's like, nope, still don't bring a baby. Yeah. I mean, when I went to go see Deadpool in theaters, people were coming in with strollers. I was like, no, oh. what are you doing? This is Deadpool. Oh. <laughs> like, go yeah, away. They were definitely, they were, uh, they had to have been 
11 maybe 11 or 12 that were in the Deadpool show that I went to with my friend and we were talking about that afterwards because I've known him since uh, elementary school and so we've gone to a bunch of movies together but I remember back in the day when I was that age like my parents wouldn't let me see PG-13 movies yeah. forever like they would go see them first and like then would tell me later whether or not I could watch them like I didn't see the original Batman for like a year after it came out because they decided it was too violent for me and I was just like well I guess we're just bringing in like 10 year olds now get to go see R-rated movies He's like cutting off his arm and stuff. I'm like, holy cow, I can't believe I can't believe kids are getting like to see this. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like I wasn't allowed to see Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, my parents were more of the buy it when it comes out on DVD kind of people. So it was mm-hmm. basically like you can't watch this one. We're buying this. You can watch this. You can't watch this sort of thing. We're going to fast forward through the sex scene. Yeah, yeah. Or just like cover my eyes during the yeah. movies. But it's like Now, I feel like there's so many movies sitting on that shelf that I haven't seen just because at the time when they came out, I wasn't allowed to watch them. So then I just never got around (laughs) to watching them. So I'm like, I'm really bad at watching movies and I'm pretty behind on new music right now. I mean, obviously, I listen to the stuff I tell people I'll review because, you know, (laughs) that would be rude not to and just to like review it. Be like, yeah, I listened to this. Fantastic. Here we go. Two stars. Sometimes I feel like that's what some reviews do. I Probably. see some reviews that are like that are paragraph long, and I'm like, "Did you listen to this? Like, it totally feels cookie cutter. It feels like they have like a little uh, template already filled out. They're like, okay, here's this this song. Yeah, it's upbeat. This is a good chorus. Eh, three stars. It's like, there's no way you listen to that. I don't believe that you actually spent time with this album. Yeah, sometimes if it's like an EP or a shorter album, I'll do like one or two paragraph reviews. I've kind of been messing with the format a bit, but I never do ratings anymore because I feel like if you do a rating, it's just like, all right, what's the point in reading the review now? <laughs> like, Nope, I, I've been ranting against ratings for a long time and I'm, I was glad that when I was finally able to build the new website, I could just get rid of them. And I was yeah. just like, well, new, new site just can finally get rid of any sort of score or anything like that because they never make any sense like what my A plus is or what my 7.2 or whatever like that's going to be different across reviewers yeah. it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for some people something in the sevens is good and you're considering that like above average and for other people they hear seven and they're like oh well that's like a C that's not very good like it just <laughs> doesn't really translate well across across mediums and there was so many people that all they would do on AP was they just see a score and immediately go to the comment section to complain about the score and like weren't reading the reviews and it's like man if a review is going to spend all their time to sit down and actually write a review people should read the review like that's the most important thing is that you actually read the argument or like the criticism put forth by the reviewer so I'm totally on board with removing removing ratings from albums and things like that yeah All right. Well, one last thing before we close this out. This is by far the longest podcast I have recorded for Miss Align. I'm sorry. No, it's it's totally fine. (laughs) After all the encores, I've just started getting used to just being like, yeah, I'm just going to start talking and we'll just go. (laughs) No, it's fine because it doesn't even feel like it's been like an hour and 45 minutes at this point, (laughs) which I feel like those are always kind of the best kinds of episodes where it's like, the time just flies and you're like oh maybe we should stop this thing because other people are going to listen to it it's been a great conversation we'll have to do it again sometime we'll have to have you on encore to talk about things we can continue our discussion of movies and all all the goodness yeah for sure and before you go real quick i just wanted to have you talk a little bit about 
Portland and what the scene is like there because it's not mm. a place I've visited yet. Hopefully, I will get there at some point. You know, it's not too far from California. Well, from <laughs> Southern California, it's a little far, but <laughs> that's besides the point. But what's like the overall culture there and is it a good place to go see live music and everything? Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> the funny thing about Portland is growing up in Portland, uh, it was never, like, cool, right? I was growing up in Portland. It was just like, it was a place, it was the suburbs. Nobody outside of Oregon had ever heard of Portland. And then somewhere around when I was in college, Portlandia became a thing. And now everybody kind of knows about Portland in our weird quirkiness. And it kind of became cool <laughs> all of a sudden. So Portland Portland, in a lot of ways, is very similar to the show. Like, if people have watched Portlandia and you're like, there's no way that's actually what it's like, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> it's pretty It's pretty dead on in a lot of ways. Um, very laid back. People are nice. You know, nobody honks their horn. It's, it's a laid back city, laid back town where a lot of people are, I don't know, they're it's a very nice and enjoyable place to visit. And I do think that you should come up and visit because uh, you were just talking about good used bookstore. One of my favorite places in the city is Powell's Books. Big, giant used bookstore store in the city. That's really awesome. Has a huge, great comic section as well. It's totally worth checking out. Uh, music scene itself has always been good and vibrant. Um, some good venues around town to check out. Uh, I'm a big fan of the local beer and coffee in Portland as well. So I don't know. I think Portland Portland is definitely worth visiting and more people should uh, should do that. Any other questions specifically about Portland? No, I think I just wanted to get a general feel for it. But it sounds like if I go there, I'll just be giving Portland my bank account. So <laughs> uh, that's basically the way that that's basically the way it works. Yeah. <laughs> you're either, like I, I found that like uh, with cities and with places like Portland, you either I always thought I'd leave. Right. Like that was the whole reason for getting out and going to Southern California. Because yeah. it was like, ah, why am I in Portland? I want to be in Southern California. All the bands I listen to are from Southern California. Everybody that, you know, sun, beach, surfing, like this is going to be amazing. I just never thought I'd come back. And then after being there for five years and living a few other places around the country and visiting other places around the world, it was just like, man, like Portland just fits my personality and vibe really well. So I've always just found like you're either the kind of person that it's like the, the right city for you. And if you come from like New York or Chicago or probably even L.A. or bigger cities, you're probably just going to be like, what the heck? This is like the weirdest thing ever but if it's like for a certain kind of person I think Portland's a great city yeah and I mean being from Orange County I kind of well the place tends to get lumped in with LA even though it's kind of very different I mean yes there's traffic in Orange County but it is not nearly as bad as LA <laughs> and it's like in Orange County there's a very very huge Asian community because there's a little area it's literally called Little Saigon and it's not too far from me. And it's like, you know, they have the Asian markets and all these little stores and everything. And it's like always so crowded over there. It's like they're always out doing things. And it's kind of, if you get the chance, it's kind of interesting just to see. Although traffic around there might suck. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. Definitely. Me too. And to our listeners, thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.